0: My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided.
1: Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done, and here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely.
0: Never before in American history, Has there been an uprising like this? Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The
1: 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Donald Trump is back in your local town hall, playing all the old hits, including My Baby Done Stole My Heart and The Election. If I were president, the Ukraine war would be over in 30 minutes just because. And January 6th rioters were just cool guys who all need to be pardoned. All jokes aside, Marion. The baying crowd who hooped and hollered when he dismissed Eugene Carroll as a nut job who he didn't know had to have you and other commentators questioning CNN's judgment in putting on such a weird clickbaity show.
0: Yeah, and I think that is really an important for a thing to address because it seems that so far the US media has learned nothing about how they covered Trump in 2016. When they were effectively technicians, they gave him free reign and a free ride on all their media. And basically, I think he got about $3 billion worth of free media. And he did that by being outrageous, by being obnoxious, by lying about things, by deliberately courting controversy. And that's exactly the playbook from last night. CNN were just technicians for the Donald Trump show. Wow. That that's pretty well that's pretty much what it was. Now that is not in any way to criticize Caitlin Collins because she is an excellent journalist and she really did her best to mm-hmm. hold feet to the fire. She really did her best. She followed up, she fact-checked him, but you know, it's like trying to fact-check a fire hose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean she did interject. She interjected a number of times and we're going to pepper today's episode with Um, You know, clips from the show as best we can fit them in. And, you know, I guess my first question is, was this meant to be an interview or was this meant to be something else? Because it feels like there was some people had a different responsibility on her shoulders. And not everyone is happy with how she performed, because while you say she did interject and she did fact check, a lot of the falsehoods went unchecked.
0: I think there were several that did, but I would look at the ones that she It would be an impossible feat, and I found it kind of ironic that some of the journalists who were criticizing her are the very ones who let Trump say whatever he wanted unchecked. She at least made it, to my mind, a heroic effort to try and keep the train on the tracks, but it was all, it was derailed before it started. You know, and I think the very format okay, so this was supposed to be a town hall format. This is a uniquely sort of American thing in a way where prospective candidates or anything, whether it's the local mayor or whether it's governor or president, and Donald Trump was treated as though he were already a presidential candidate. That was the assumption you could see going into this. He's not. The primaries haven't even started. So but the, the town hall format basically it invites It invited last night, certainly a friendly crowd. These were Republicans. These were Trump supporters. I counted nine questions. Now there may have been more from. So the format is that Caitlin Collins will ask big questions initially. So it's part interview and then, or that's what it should have been. And then there are questions from individuals in the audience, Mm. but because the audience was already, as we saw extremely pro-Trump, it was a pro-Trump audience of Republicans. And um, so the questions were a waste of time. They were just softballs. They were just there to flatter Trump. I think there were, I saw about two questions that were, that really even qualified as questions. And then, but it didn't matter what her format was. Trump was going to ride roughshod over Caitlin Collins, over the format, over his audience, and put on the Trump show with bells on. And what was so little that she could do, but I think she really did her damnest. But that, situation. And this, I blame the C, the new CNN CEO, Jack Licht. He wants, he wants people talking about CNN. He wanted, I suspect, an outrageous performance. And this is exactly why Trump was covered wall-to-wall end-to-end in 2016 because the news chiefs and the studio chiefs kept seeing politics as entertainment. Now, there's always been an element of entertainment in American politics, but this is ugly entertainment. Mm-hmm. This was just cruelty and Shock it like basically it's like put a shock on value. Yeah. And again, what was last night? So I thought a
1: best way to sift through it and a way that will allow us to weave in the current news in relation to Ron DeSantis, Joe Biden, and our Georgie, the Washington boy, is to fact check some of the claims that Trump made That's in sure. it, and that'll allow us to weave away onto the other subjects. Let's let's start with. Trump started off the night by claiming that millions of votes were stolen in the 2020 race and that the election was rigged. It was a rigged election and it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. All over the world, they looked at it. I thought it was a really good start by Caitlin Collins. Just, you know, real short, punchy question. Will you accept at last that you lost? How did you think she fared? And in terms of the danger of continuing to spew as I say, the old classic, we was robbed. What damage, if anything, does that do to the prospect of having a free and
0: fair 2024 election? Well, there are... Okay, so (laughs) let's start with the first part of your question here. I think you're right that Caitlin Collins, she interjected straight away. It was not a rigged election. But then what happened? Trump just cranked up the volume. He just lied more, repeated his lies. Look, in America at the moment, there is no reason to believe the lie that the election was stolen by Joe Biden. There's just no reason. It was thrown out, various cases were thrown out by more than 60 courts. The January 6th committee did an excellent and exhaustive job of revealing the lie for the absolute baseless, I'm not going to say nonsense because it was told for a very specific reason, the basic attack on democracy that it was. And yet people who believe Trump, people who, Trump is a cult, okay, so that's, so people who love Trump will believe anything he says, just because Trump said it, no matter how implausible, and you are never going to change those people's minds. So a certain number of people, probably 40% of the population, the voting population, will go in to the next election in 2024, believing that the election was either We'd say in somehow shady or absolutely rigged outright. So you're going to have that. Then you're going to have the rest of the population who know, who accept truth when they see it, which is, I would say, is it two thirds? I don't even know if it's that many. I'd say it's less likely. So they know. So it doesn't matter what Trump says. The people who believe Trump are going to continue believing him. And the people who don't believe Trump, nobody changed their mind last night.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It was just more to say.
1: So then to 2024, is he, if he has so little faith in the election process, why is he volunteering for another one? And how are we to know that he'll accept the result of that?
0: Well, we know he won't unless he wins. We know that for a fact because, it, you know, it's look at the record and he's already sort of started doing what he did a year and a half before the 2020 election where he's flagging things. And I use large inverted commas around that because he's already trying to lay the groundwork to say, oh, you know, this isn't right. But Donald Trump has another resource this time that he didn't have in 2020, which is that after the 2020 election, more than I, I think it's 23 or 24 Republican run states use Trump's lies as an excuse to introduce really draconian in some states new election laws that were categorically and specifically designed to suppress the voter outturn on, in 2024. So it, it it goes from things like in Georgia, where they have decided that they're only putting one polling booth in a rural area where there are tens of thousands of African-Americans living, many of them who don't have cars, there's no public transport, they won't be able to get to vote. And others have reduced the early voting restrictions there it's, there's a whole plethora of, of laws that have been introduced with no justification by Republican governors that are going to make it much, much harder for poor people and for minorities who traditionally vote Democrat, or at least most of them do, for them to even get to the polling booths or, votes or to even manage to cast their votes. So that's something that Donald Trump does have in his back pocket. And the other thing he's been saying, which he didn't say last night, but it's interesting to me, is he's done a U-turn on the early voting. Because I think he realized that yeah, he's getting everyone out early now. Well, now it's, we're going to have to beat these crooked Democrats at their own game. everybody has got to get out early. everybody's going to vote early. And then when we, well, then we change the law back to where you mm. can only vote on election day. And if, if he can't make it that day, tough luck. you know, so that's his, his, um, that's what he's claiming that the the, 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 just like he claimed to was going back from Ireland to confront his accuser. I mean. Yeah, you know, I'm... Things- Words. That There's backfired numbers.
1: horribly uh, as well. And we are, of course, facing into a big week on the border with Title 42, yeah. which, ties, yeah. which leads us straight into the next claim. Trump asserted without any evidence whatsoever that other countries are sending migrants from mental institutions into the US. Now, this is a claim he's made again and again and again with no evidence whatsoever it's so obvious that it stokes this fire. And on a week like this, Marion, what was the reaction to that? And what do you make of that lie?
0: Well, that lie is entirely baseless. It's Look, Trump in 2016, it's basically version two of the 2015 down the escalator speech where he said they're sending rapists, they're sending murderers etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, America has become, plus of the surge in homelessness, and because of the surge in homeless people living on the streets, America has become quite fearful of mentally ill people. And, uh, you know, again, these school shootings feed into that where there's always a claim now, well, they're mentally ill. And you, there have been a number of instances in New York, for example, that got a lot of publicity about people who are mentally ill pushing people off subway tracks or whatever. So the words mentally ill And mental institutions are designed to instill fear in Americans that these crazy people, not just allegedly rapists and murderers, but that crazy people are coming across the border and we should be really scared. And that is very deliberate and very calculated and entirely baseless. And and that has to be said
1: yeah so title 42 ending this week i mean again the biden for all the things you can't criticize the biden administration for and i mean there is an incredible list of achievements that they are very reluctant to tell everybody about they just yeah. left their megaphones at home in terms of this administration mm-hmm. and what it's done for the economy how has this oversight got to the point now that you know there's troops on the ground and where what happens this week, Marion, in,
0: in relation to this? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. It is inexcusable and inexplicable that the Biden administration has really largely waited until the crisis is upon them to start planning for it. Now, I will say, Joe Biden, on his own as the president, cannot introduce immigr he can't introduce immigration reform. Title Forty Two, was it? A bit of a trick, it was used way beyond the amount of time it should have been, It's a public health regulation that was pretty well co-opted by Trump and Biden as a tool for border patrol because it means that you can turn back asylum seekers immediately. The international law requires that they're allowed to to make a claim, to be allowed in on on, on the basis of persecution, fleeing violence, various other grounds. Now, with Title 42 in place, they didn't—they weren't even allowed to make a claim. They were just automatically turned back. Their cases weren't heard. They were told, sorry, you're not coming in. And now that is being lifted very late in the day, it has to be said. And it's being replaced with Title 8, which is a very old, sulky sort of regulation. That means you can deport people who don't make proper applications immediately. That means the application process is this torturous, long, clunky process, and it means that If you are caught having entered America illegally, you can be sent to jail. You will be deported, certainly, and you won't be allowed back into the country for a minimum of five years. So it's sort of a very strict, but it's heavy-handed and it's impossible to enforce that. The big problem on the border, I think, there are several. that Everybody is looking at the wrong end of the firehouse, in my view. And we've said this before. It's where you've got to look at the cause. You've got to look at why people are fleeing in so many numbers. Now, America can't go into Guatemala and Honduras and Nicaragua and fix their political system. It can't go in and fix climate change. So what what can be done here? It, it can actually, there are any number of NGOs working on the ground, local NGOs in these countries who are trying to help people to, you know, to remain sustainable. But the, obviously, again, they can't deal with gang violence. It's an extraordinarily complex problem at that end, but it has to be addressed in some way before, because when people turn up on the border, they've spent weeks in the desert. Some, they're sick, they're injured. There have been several NGOs that have documented, there have been at least 13 instances of people who have been abducted, who have been tortured, who have been murdered, been injured, you know, who are waiting on the border to cross. They are just sitting ducks for predators, for traffickers, for criminals. So it's really... What's going on at the moment is appalling. So Biden should have had a structure in place. There should have been even rudimentary detention centers set up, even rudimentary you know, tents where people could stay while they're doing their preliminary interviews because they do have a right. Once If you get past a preliminary interview as you know, an asylum seeker, which means that the border people who do the interview say, well, you have maybe a case, maybe you don't. Then you are entitled to come into America and you're entitled, then you apply formally for asylum. And I think you have a year to do that. But this is all being changed now at the last minute. So it's all now just about blocking, about denying asylum seekers the opportunities that used to be afforded to them. It's about putting the army down there. Now it should be said that the army cannot engage in any way with asylum seekers. They can't make arrests. They can't do anything. They're there effectively to put up tents if that's what happens. They're there to carry out administrative work and they're there to just provide backup to, to the border control, the customs of border control people whose duty it is to deal with this. But they've said that we don't have the resources. And um, as I say, Biden, I've spoken to a couple of NGOs, and I speak different time to time, and they say that basically a place like El Paso up to Brandsville, nothing is being put in place by the federal government that they're basically relying on local charities and the Catholic Church and various other churches to do what they've always done, which is to try and feed and clothe and temporarily give shelter to these migrants um, and and these asylum seekers. But the reason the numbers are surging now is that people want to get in ahead of 40, Title 42 ending because then they, they there are no penalties. Mm. If you can, oh, all they do is just send you back. So the surges may not be quite as dramatic after a couple of, you know, the next week or two, where people are just trying to get in, trying to get in, and they're afraid that more regulations will be brought in. They're also having it picked up by traffickers at the other end saying, if you don't get in now, you're never getting in. So there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of fear around the whole thing. Now, Congress has to act. The only thing that will change what's happening is immigration reform that can introduce tougher requirements for crossing the border because America is entitled to a border. But let's also face the fact that America is crying out for casual neighbours. And you spoke with us before, Charles, and there is a case to say, okay, regularise the people who are here, the 11 million or so undocumented who are here, and then issue seasonal work visas because these people are coming here because they are starving. They're desperate. They're poverty-stripping most of them. You know, and so if they can come in and for six months of the year or whatever and do the work that is required, and it's usually grimy, backbreaking agricultural work and meat processing work that nobody else wants to do. So if they're allowed to do that, if they can do that in some way, then it's a win-win. It means that these mm. people can keep their families at home because they can afford to keep their families in their home countries because nobody really wants to leave their home country unless they're fleeing violence, acute violence of some kind. They would rather stay there in all other situations. And I've come across this working with refugees repeatedly. Nobody wants to leave their own country. So I, I think that that is, they need to fix immigration, but neither side will do it. And the Republicans certainly won't do it because they want to embarrass the Democrats now to go, look at the mess. You know, it's actually no worse than it was when Trump was president. But whereas Trump would stand up and threaten and migrants and belittle them and forcibly separate children from their parents to make it look like he was doing something, Democrats aren't resorting to those tactics. But it isn't an open border. People are saying, "Oh, the border is just wide open." It's not an open border, and it never has been. So.
1: In the in the town hall, even he mentioned this that the separating of families at the border was some kind of genius deterrent of his. Yeah. And that, you know, people don't come if this is on. But there's again, there's no evidence to suggest that these kind of harsh policies of family separation actually deter asylum seekers. As you've said time and time again, it's a burning building. Uh, You'll jump from it no matter what. But Eugene Carroll was the big was the big story this week that this town hall meeting distracted from. He had the opportunity to speak about it. But again, he met it with another false claim. And it is worth mentioning this. He suggested that the judge in the trial was, he prevented him from producing evidence.
0: What's happening is they're doing this for election interference. And I swear, and I've never done that. And I swear to I have no idea who the hell, she's a Mr. whack President. job. What do we
1: know about that claim, Marion? Because my understanding is he basically had no defense
0: in court against e. and Carroll. You know, it's absolutely untrue, which it should go without saying, but let's just say it anyway. Now, that the judge involved, Lewis Kaplan, I've covered a number of cases that he's presided over. He is one of the most respected senior district judges in Manhattan. You talk to any prosecutor, you talk to lawyers who appear reformed, he is tough, he's no-nonsense, but he's also extremely fair. Now, just one example. Donald Trump, when he was in Ireland, and none of this was followed up by any reporters who basically just reported verbatim, which I found really just questionable, let's say at best. Donald Trump claimed repeatedly that Eugene Carroll had failed to produce the dress she was wearing when she and we can now accept the jury found that he sexually abused her in Bert of Goodman. And he was ranting on about the dress, the dress she failed to produce it. Just that lie alone. Let's. E. Jean Carroll for, and her lawyers for three years tried to get Donald Trump to submit to a DNA test. Um, so he refused. He just kicked it down the road, kicked it down the road. And then the time came, there was a deadline for discovery and for tuning materials. And E. Jean Carroll submitted that dress as a night of discovery. I checked the date on it. It was back in 2019. She submitted that dress to the court and said, This is the dress. This is the dress that I need the DNA. To match the sample up, there was male DNA on parts of this dress. So anyway, Donald Trump, of course, was not going to give DNA, but he kept, as I say, running out the clock. Then it came to a point where it was no longer admissible because the deadline passed. So even though the dress had been submitted, she was no longer able to introduce it as empty because Donald Trump didn't give DNA. So it was useless. And hmm. um, then he says she hid the dress. You know, I mean, that is the degree of lies. Why didn't she produce the dress? She couldn't because he wouldn't give the DNA. And then a day after the deadline passed for him to give DNA, he went on the media and his truth social and said, I'm willing to give DNA in this case. But it was too late. He only said it because the deadline had passed. So this is the kind of just lies journalists need to follow up. That you don't record something verbatim as fact when it's absolutely untrue. And so, in, and then likewise with evidence, when he said in Ireland that he wanted to come back and to confront his accuser, which anyone covering top knows was a flat out lie, the trial had been, was in its second week by then. So the judge said, Oh, I hear that you're saying in Ireland, a problem that you want to basically, you know, testify. So I'm allowing you to. If you want to come in and testify, there is no problem. Trump, of course, didn't go in and testify. He didn't and just kept ranting about how he was it was a witch hunt, it was an unfair trial, it was a Chilton-loving, Trump-hating judge, etc. etc. So it's none of it is true. The facts are that Eugene Carroll, we can now accept the jury finding was sexually abused in um this address room bird of Goodman by Donald Trump. The fact is that he defamed her and maliciously got his family, even his Sons, his followers to pile on to attack her, and there were death threats made against her. And it was all deny at the Trump's playbook is deny and derail, derail, denial, oblay. That's it. And he did all of those things. And now he's training the who I didn't get a fair trial when he didn't even turn up at the trial when he produced no witnesses. And you know, they're saying, so I suspect he. To me, this thing that he's going to appeal is just, it's another way of kicking the can down the road, because it means that when debates come up and when people are looking at the candidates, the Republican candidate, he can say, well, I'm appealing that. I'm appealing that. And, you know, that was a bad verdict. I'm appealing it. And it gets him off the hook while the election cycle mm. is running. Um, and yeah. obviously, his appeal will be refused. I would imagine even I would, you know some minimum amount of that law would say this is not the jury found on the facts they were presented. You didn't present any facts, so top luck. So I think that, but well, the allowed him not to pay her. For that's it, that's the thing, Nelson yeah. Will to she, she ever top see top. this money? Oh, she will eventually. She will eventually. I mean, But while he says he's appealing, her appeals process can take, if he says he's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court visit, it could conceivably take two, three, four years. So she's going to be waiting. Until that time. And, you know, there, I can't see any grounds, as I said, for reversing a jury finding of a fact, particularly when the person looking for the appeal didn't even bother showing up. So, but, but he can drag this out. And he certainly, I think, tried to drag it out past 2024.
1: Well, someone who also finds himself in legal hot water over lies is George Santos. He's pleading not guilty to fraud and money laundering. But, Marion, he doesn't have the kind of dough to delay things does he he's not going to be able to delay this and it just surprises me how fast just the justice system is working to get george
0: santos out of the picture well i agree things do seem to be moving relatively quickly but let's not forget george santos was was it when I'm, i'm losing track here it was 2022 that he was elected elected yeah and now, you know, not even a year later, he's he he has been charged. He was placed in custody in Cedric's. I would say that this is because George Santos is such a terrible liar. He's mm-hmm. such a bad liar. He's so he's bad. bad. At it. yeah, just embarrassingly. He had his kneecaps replaced. Off oh, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. He was such a great volleyball player that when the Harvard team saw him coming, they would shake and hide in their lockers. <laughs> and, you know, like, and that's not even, that's not, you know, his yeah, When he
1: said he was Jewish, he meant he's Jew-ish.
0: Yeah, ish, you know, as it, I mean, it's, it goes on and on. But the lies that were underpinned by this incredibly amateurish sort of financial scam. I mean, it was so, we spoke about how he'd set up the two different companies and they, he was funneling money from one to the other. So he was getting money for his election campaign. From Republicans who just—and this is what happens—Republicans just want anyone to be, to be elected. It doesn't matter how mm. stupid they are. It doesn't matter how barking mad they are. It's we just want to get a Democratic seat, and anyone who can get that seat, by God, we don't care. We're just going to go with them, and we're going to give them whatever they need to do it. And we know that the Republican National Committee knew he was barking beforehand. We know that they knew he was lying about stuff, job, but they did nothing because it was like we're getting that seat. And we know that when he came in and there were huge moves, when it was discovered he had lied about everything, there were huge moves to expel him and Kevin McCarthy who needed those three votes to become Speaker and said, no, 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 we're keeping him, we don't care. So now the situation is that because of the backhanded way that he committed or appears allegedly committed fraud because he hasn't been convicted, but because of the way he was putting money into one company and that where which was allegedly where the, the fund the his backers and his donors were giving him money and then he was to taking out putting it into another company and buying himself whatever he wanted with that account. New clothes, new shoes, holidays, whatever he wanted. He saw this as his personal ATM machine to just go on a big spree. And it was it wasn't difficult. We spoke about this more than a year ago when we went through the two different companies. It wasn't hard. I suspect that, you know, an intern in the in the I think it's the Southern District of New York is where it's being brought. An intern in our oh sorry in Long Island on their first day, the prosecutor's office could make a fist at in this because mm. it's in defense. And he also as well let's not forget uh, claimed COVID payments illegally when yes. it over like twenty four thousand dollars worth when he was working all the time during. COVID. Uh,
1: I will have to link in the info here, some of some of the details of this because some of it really would make you go if you're this bad at being Mm -hmm. duplicit, why would you do it so often like 1200 payments of $199.99 one cent below the threshold at which receipts are required I mean unregistered fund that raised all these vast sums around $40,000 in air travel like, it's eye-watering yeah. stuff. Where does it end from? Because there are people going,
0: he could go to jail. Do you yeah, see could. that in the future for this man? You know, I think he could get some jail time because there's a, there are 13 different charges here that he's not going to get 20 years that he could get because worst case scenario would be that he would get 20 years in prison. I think he'll certainly get at a minimum a suspended sentence. He's sold from the public purse by... by every, fraudulently claiming COVID payments. He violated, he he just blew through every election campaign finance law that there is. He lied repeatedly. He lied to Congress. He filed false returns for Congress. I mean, these are, and he money laundered as well. So these are all different charges that really merit, I think, more than a slap on the wrist. But then you look at what Trump has been facing and people, it's, it, look, this is all just a battle. Republican Party, they have fantasists, they have liars, they have crooks, and and they refuse. You know, anybody can go into politics and turn out to be crooked and to be a liar. But their difference is the Republican Party embraces them. They embrace them ever more tightly. They refuse to cast them out. They refuse to tell Trump for years to say a word against him. And even with George Santos, yes, it is a criminal process. Yes, he is innocent until proven guilty. But we do know from the get-go, we didn't know that he lied about things. We did know he played fast-endings with campaign finance. And there was no move and no desire whatsoever to expel. When you think what, you know, to get back to Justin Pearson and Justin Jones in Nashville, what they were expelled for from the local Senate for simply protesting on the, after the killing of children in Nashville, the mass shooting in Nashville, they were expelled immediately. And you look at what George Santos has done. And as I say, the Republicans are just... Embracing him. The only person who said he shouldn't be in Congress was Mitt Romney, who conveniently is in the Senate and doesn't have to look at him every day.
1: Well, Robert Kennedy Jr. thinks that there's overwhelming evidence that the CIA were involved in JFK's assassination. If you want to hear more about that, you'll need to come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad, where you can enjoy double size episodes of our podcast every week, where we really get into the weeds and a bit more into the detail of some of the stories that you hear in the first half of the show. If you're a fan of the show, this is where you need to be. This is where the crack takes place. And it's also, lest we forget, how we make the show. The only way to fund it is through you, people that are fans of it, paying a fiver a month. And in return, you get all of this content, including years and years of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad.
0: Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is a miracle. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You
1: encourage